Bonjour tout le monde. This is another special edition episode of the Gripped Podcast where we're featuring members of Circle Up, a men's mental health community project where we are changing the way that you talk, think, and feel about men's mental health. And on this episode, we highlight one of my good friends. He is one of the most inspiring and disciplined men that I have in my life. He's a he's somebody that I do look up to in many ways, represents the qualities of the man that I've always wanted to be. And let me give you a quick background of who he is so you know and have some insight into why it's important for you to spend this time with us and to start taking away some of the the lessons that he has to share on his journey. Johnny has spent the last 10 plus years as a branding expert, digital media marketer, and innovative storyteller. He works with entrepreneurs and brands to kickstart their online businesses, helping them to raise over $7 million for their ideas, while personally raising with his business partners $1.2 million across two Kickstarter projects. The Arctic Cold Brew Coffee makes is a top five coffee Kickstarter of all time and is a Venzis Coffee Enhancing Glassware raised $218,000 in its 16-day run. So if you're curious at all about who you need to be as a person to achieve this level of success at such a young age, then tune into the episode, grab a pen and paper, get ready to take some notes. We dive really deep into the roots on some of the reasons why and some of the structures that Johnny's put in place to be able to accomplish what he has. I really appreciate you doing this round too, my friend. Excited for the outcome and excited to change some people's lives with this. Uh, you're really making a difference here. This is Gript. Johnny, welcome back to the show. It's good to be here. Second time to charm. Mm -hmm. This time you're in Canada. Yes, yes. For good, for better or for worse, I'm yeah. back. Yeah, you had flights to leave soon, didn't you? I was supposed to leave next week, seven, eight days. Yeah, back on a flight to Malaysia, but they're on lockdown for good reasons. So I'm holed up here for now, making the most of it. Yeah, for future people listening to the show, we are in the middle of a uh, global pandemic. Mm -hmm. In case you didn't know, just yeah, you might want to look that up. Yeah, you may not have electricity, and so if you don't have uh, TV and uh, there's no Facebook on your phone, then you may want to check it out. Global pandemic happening right now. So we're staying home, right? Yes, we are social distancing. Mm -hmm. 100%. What a better way to do it than to run a podcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the right thing. Thanks, man. We talked about a lot of exciting stuff on the first show, and I want to elaborate on some of those points, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into um, self-sufficiency, uh, the men's work. This is a special edition episode for Circle Up, and you're a participant there, which I'm very happy to have you a participant as. So I think that the best place for me to start is to – let everybody here know, I've already said some nice things about you in the intro. And so um, 
three of your biggest accomplishments. I'm going to just share them really briefly so that the, the audience has an idea of who you are, uh, better context in your life. And then you can talk to me about one of them. So the first one is <clears throat> becoming location independent, right? Reading four hour work week many, many, many years ago, thinking that was a pipe dream and then eventually deciding to move across the world, which is very inspiring and to work remotely and build your businesses remotely. So that's number one. Number two is launching two successful Kickstarter campaigns. The first one doing over a million dollars in Kickstarter fundraising and the second one, $250,000. So these are massive um, and people would dr people dream of having successful campaigns like that. And the third one is being very clear. And I think this is so important because every, every moment in my life where I didn't have a clear direction, that's when I, my mental health was really suffering the most. Uh, so the last one is having a very clear purpose. And I would also describe that as uh, spiritual self-sufficiency. Any, any of the, one of those three really inspire you? Uh, yeah. Having the clear purpose is definitely what um, started it all. Um, I think that without purpose, it's possible to live a fulfilling life, but you know, if you had to choose between one or the other, definitely having a purpose gives a greater sense of self, a greater sense of direction. And it's just like the analogy of having a compass on a map. The yeah. purpose is the compass rose. And, you know, unless you know where you are, uh, what the plan is to get to where you want to be, uh, you might be running around in circles for a long time. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges I had when I, uh, I don't know, five years ago, when I started doing this work, um, it had been maybe three years into my career change. I went from engineering um, to following my, my passion in life, which is video production. And imagine like waking up every morning and, and questioning, you know, I left a, a high paying job, a high paying career to making very little money to pursue mm -hmm. my passion, but somehow being unfulfilled and unhappy with where I was at. And uh, I never really had that come up in my life where I was doing something I thought I would love and be faced and confronted with the idea that is this the right thing for me? And so I had a lot of self-doubt and it wasn't until I had a, I, you know, I had a masked on conversation um, with my men's team. Um, you know, I brought this to them and one of the men volunteered to have a call with me saying, I'm not going to get off a call until we come up, you come up with your life purpose, write it down on paper. Wow. And I'd, I'd always thought I knew what it was, you know, it's just to inspire people. I thought that's, that was it, you know, it's great. It's inspiring me, but you know, if that was really the inspiring life purpose, why was I waking up, you know, in bed, just staring at my ceiling and going to bed late and finding reasons not to get out of bed. So after that phone call, it was a two hour phone call. I wrote down my life purpose or what I thought it could be. And everything just shifted from there. It might've been small at first, but it, you know, step by step, day by day, I eventually ended up doing the other two things you said, which is raising uh, money for the two successful Kickstarter campaigns and then becoming location independent two years ago, leaving Canada, not having to come back to a desk job or anything like that. That purpose that you wrote, 
Has that changed at all since you wrote that? Very little. It's, it's gotten more specific and that's mm. the feedback I've got. The more specific it can be, um, the clearer that vision becomes, you know, and in a way the universe conspires to help you fulfill the purpose in your dreams. Yeah, but it's I agree with, most people didn't say, yeah. Are you open-minded to sharing what it is? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll read it exactly word, verbatim. Perfect. Uh, let's see. To live a powerful and fulfilling life by living through my passion as a video producer uh, and traveling the world so that I have a positive impact on my community and awaken their higher purpose and bring that energy back to their communities. Very inspiring and clear. And I, I definitely see how, if I don't step into the man that I've always wanted to be, there's gonna be clear impact on the communities and the people that, I'm, that I surround that I could have impacted. Um, and so I, that speaks a lot to how much you care. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to just come back to it and and just be reminded of of what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, great. And we have it uh, as part of this podcast. I really want to cover what's called the CPR, which is a way of writing goals. And the P inside of a CPR is purpose. And so we can get into at that point how to write a purpose statement. If you don't mind breaking that down for us, can you can you do that today? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, one it, thing got it on the back of my hand. Perfect. Yeah. Like literally it's, you, you wrote it down. <laughs> a CPR. Right, I got <laughs> it. <tattooed. laughs> nice. Right um, one of the things you touched on it, it may sound foreign for people that are listening. You said men's team, you said mask. And so this is language that you and I are very familiar with because we're both, uh, we both men's weekend graduates. My did my weekend in May, 2018, my sponsor was Paul Sobel. I'll never forget. I don't know if you've ever met Paul before, but I, uh, I met him at a networking event. And at the time he was sitting beside me, he's this giant man. And he was sitting beside me and he's like, Hey kid, like, uh, I know you like personal development. How old are you? And I said, 22. He's like, cool. When's your birthday? And I said, February 3rd. And it was like four months out. And he's like, cool. I'm going to call you on your birthday. And I actually had no idea why he was going to call me a birthday. I was like, all right, dude, sounds good, man. <laughs> and uh, on my birthday, he calls me and he says, hey, man, I know you love personal development. I think you're going to really like this communication and leadership course for men. Um, come join as a guest. And so I participated in what they called the Men Weekend courses at the time. My really good friend, Steve Richmond, was running the courses. And when I went there, I really saw for myself that I could step into um, a much bigger leader and I could become a much stronger communicator and I could really contribute to this community of men while being contributed to. And so I did my men's weekend. Uh, when was your men's weekend? Uh, 2014, November 2014. 2014. So you are well-versed in uh, the language. Ages ago, yeah. I would, ha I would like to think I am. Yeah, so there's a couple of terms you mentioned there, uh, masks, uh, teams. I mentioned self-sufficiency at the beginning, and I really think that that could be a huge theme for this podcast because when I look at you as a, as a man, as a really a strong role model for other men, I see all of the areas 
Um, and you know, you may not be hitting them perfectly each and every one of them, but I know you're working on them. I know you're conscious of them. And so if those five areas are financial self-sufficiency, spiritual self-sufficiency, physical self-sufficiency, uh, spiritual self-sufficiency, and then the last one's mental or psychological. I think you said spiritual twice. The last um, one's emotional. Emotional. <laughs> Physical, spiritual, psychological. Mental. Financial. Mental. And emotional. Yeah. Mental, emotional. <laughs> okay, got it. Perfect. <laughs> so we got them all. And I really think that you're an ex exemplary of a lot of those. And we're going to cover them as we go through. So you did your men's week in 2014. How did you meet your sponsor? How did you get introduced to the men's work? Oh man, that's a great story. So my sponsor is Nikki Blue. He's like a hardcore business coach. Um, <laughs> nice. Really, really hardcore, really energetic, high level energy. Um, and we were part of this networking group. Sounds similar to your story. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we, we would come to weekly meetings and like help, you know, refer business to each other. And he kept talking about his Sterling men's group. Mm. I'm like, what is this? What does this mean? Sterling? Like, is it silver? Like, is it a status thing? Are they old mm -hmm. people? Like why Sterling? And, and one day he showed up with a broken arm, like in a cast. And I'm like, what happened to you, Nikki? He's like, oh, I was just from my overnight with my Sterling men's group. I'm like, what is, what's an overnight? What is a men's group? <laughs> All this is so foreign to me. And then, and then he's like, oh, well, you should come out. I'm having a, a fire night. <laughs> like, What's fire night? <laughs> <laughs> just come out. You'll meet some great men. You'll love it. I'm like, okay. So I, I, put on a, I put on a blazer. I thought it was a networking event, you know, for men. <laughs> I wanted to brought my business cards and I came late. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> he didn't tell me. He didn't give me a, a time to be there. So that wasn't, that was his fault. But uh. Yeah, so I came out there and it was just a bunch of men around a fire in someone's backyard. And I'm like, what's, this is not, this is not looked like a networking event. <laughs> and uh, the first thing they asked me is, why are you late? And once you get past that, what's your name? Uh, who brought you here? Um, what's a challenge you're facing in your life? And what's the farthest you've gone for sex? Nice. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> but at the same time in my head, I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is like the manliest thing I've ever been to. Uh, and I have no idea what's going on, but I was totally intrigued. And uh, as the meeting progressed, you know, um, I re uh, you know they, they kind of shared what was going on. And it came down to... Uh, giving guests, myself and, and a few other men there, an opportunity to share uh, about the challenges that we we're facing in our lives. So I, I volunteered first and uh, I told them, you know, I wanted to improve relationship with my family um, and specifically with my brother, because even though we're only a year apart, uh, I, I barely ever speak to him. I don't relate to him in any way. Um, it's, it feels really superficial, right? Especially for someone I've grown up my whole life with. And, you know, after going through this like inspection process, a process of, of like discovery, self-discovery, um, non-judgment, masked on conversations, um, I came to a commitment and a commitment was, I'm going to call my brother that day, that night, it was like 11 PM when the meeting ended. And I would tell him, I want a better relationship with you. You know, and at this point in my life, I've never said anything like that for him uh, for 15 years. 
you know, from the time that I, I, you know, I stopped talking to him or stopped really treating him like a brother to that night. And that was the start of a new relationship with my brother. And that all happened in the span of like two and a half hours. Wow. So that was my first meeting. And then I ended up signing up for my weekend pretty much um, shortly after that. And then the rest is history. That was back in 2014. That's really inspiring. I mean, that's, you're, you're transforming your family's life by committing to investing in that relationship and creating a whole new world of possibility that wasn't there until you had made that call. So it sounds to me like whatever happened got you into action. Yeah, it was, it, it definitely made me uncomfortable, but I guess that's my motto. Just like, just keep getting uncomfortable because that's the only place I'm going to grow. Yeah. And there's all sorts from my, my perspective of benefits from being on a men's team and doing this types of men, men's work. And so for those people that are listening, I mean, you and I had a call earlier today and I acknowledged that working out before going into the office would make a big difference during this kind of uh, COVID-19 pandemic we're experiencing so that I don't have so much uh, lethargic energy while I'm in the office, I feel more energetic and, and get more done. And so I made a commitment to you to send you a text message uh, every morning at 630. And so like, what do you think it is about the work that we do or the way that we're being or what we've been taught that uh, gets us into action and helps us make commitments? Because that's very different than the world outside. Um, and from my experience anyway, of, of how men will default show up in their lives. Yeah. Um, the one biggest thing I've learned around this is, is ownership. You know, ownership comes in many forms. There's accountability to yourself, to others, integrity, doing what you say and saying what you'll do. Um, it's it, and, and creating a system, really. Um, the system can be anything, right? But, the, but giving yourself a system, a framework to, to rise, um, not just rise to your goals, but to, if in, in the events that you fall back down, you only fall as low as the systems that you have in place. So, you know, so having a support system, men that you can rely on to, to have real conversations with you, to find out where you're falling short with what the challenges you have, but also have systems in place for yourself that if you don't have that support in the moment that you're suffering or you're in a crisis, that you're able to get yourself out of it. So that's, that's the big thing of, 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 I think helping you, helping myself and other men who are involved in this work to be able to, to like, like I said, rise to, rise to those challenges and, and not, you know, not try to bullshit around what we really want. Yeah, I'm, I'm really connecting with, you're mentioning, you know, masks uh, being, you know, being masked down, uh, not, not bullshitting, things of that nature. How come you mentioned to me earlier that it's challenging to have a circle like this with your friends? It'd be nice to be able to do that, but it doesn't always work perfectly and it doesn't always work the same that you would if you were to join a men's team. So can you describe the difference? And then because of that, why is the environment that you've created inside your men's team so useful? So I tried, when I, when I first went to my, my fire night, that, that night you know, where I, I called my brother, I, I, I was so inspired and motivated that I thought to myself, I can do this myself. It's so easy. I just pull friends together. We don't need to be outside around a fire. Let's do it. So that's the first time I met Deanne, a mutual friend. Amazing. Um, and we had a good group of six or seven friends that we would meet every week 
at like, I don't know, Boston, uh, Boston Pizza or St. Louis just downstairs at our old condo. And then we would talk about some of the things that, you know, I saw or witnessed, which is, you know, what do you want to do? What are your goals this week? And what quickly happened was uh, there were a lot of gentlemen's agreements. We would say we wanted to do something. We would give maybe a deadline of what we would get done. And then the week would come around and it wouldn't get done. And as a friend, you know, when I see that happening, or at least back then when I saw it happening, I didn't know how to call that person out with feel, without feeling like um, I was judging them or I was being mean or rude or damaging the relationship. So, you know, I didn't know how to get past that, um, that mindset and get into a phase of, of ruthless compassion of, of calling people out um, without feeling bad about it. And what I got from the men's work is, is one that community that's on the same page that you can call each other out. And I don't mean like in a rude way. It's just like, hey, you said this, but you didn't. Why is that? What challenges are you facing? What can we do to support you? It's, it's not like, oh, you know, why the fuck did you screw this up? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, it's about being able to, to call people on their bullshit in a way that's constructive. Um, and also, uh, just being able to know where my own bullshit lies, you know? Am I making excuses or am I just a lazy, a, a, a lazy loiterer? Am I just sitting around wasting my time and, and there's no real reason for me to not be doing what I said I would do? So, yeah, that's, that's a big difference that I found between building something with, with the men's teams and trying to build the same thing with friends. Yeah, that element of ruthless compassion is the big difference there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can, I, can I share a personal challenge that I'm experiencing? Sure. Yeah, get, your, get your insight on it. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a man that, you know, in this work, really what it's done for my life is it's put me in a position where I actually give a damn about other men and about their commitments and about what they said they were going to do and who they said they want to be. And so I'm, I'm regularly related to the things that men have committed to. And there's a man who continues to make commitments and it seems he has a very weak relationship with his word. He makes a commitment, it doesn't happen. And then not only does it not happen, but he doesn't communicate that he didn't do it. And he also doesn't clean up his word. Um, and so we'll follow up with him and we'll say, hey man, this didn't happen by when you said, you know, what happened, he'll tell us and then he'll, he'll recommit and then, it, and then he will not make it happen again. And so I'm just wondering, we have a, a, a term, a saying that we, you know, we embrace all men and we don't leave men behind. How do you support men like that? Because you talked about structure. What is it about the approach that we're taking that's not working here? And, and what are your suggestions around how to be there for those types of men? Yeah, it's a really common thing that comes up. Um, I've seen it so many times. Um, it really just comes down to, you know, it sounds like you're being a really strong stand for this person. And perhaps they see it, perhaps they don't. Uh, it really comes down to, uh, you know, kind of like what we talked about before, the purpose. Why are they in this? What that mm. means to them? And if, if you asked him, you know, if you were paid a million dollars to do what you said you would do, would you do it? And if he said yes, it's okay. So we have a benchmark for what's going to get you off your ass. So, so that's an unrealistic benchmark, but what's going to get you off your ass? 
what's going to drive you? So there's the positive reinforcement. And then there's the negative, which is, okay, you can set a consequence for yourself that you're not willing to pay. And if he consistently breaks his word and he still doesn't make the consequence, then he's not uncomfortable, right? And continuing to escalate the consequence or continuing to give him a better reason to, to, to have a purpose-filled intent behind what he says, one of the two things should theoretically get him into action. Um, and if that still doesn't work, then there's, there's still an underlying thing. Maybe he's lying. Maybe he just says he wants to do it and he really doesn't give a shit. So that's, that's where the inspection and the mass on conversations really have to come in. Well said. Okay. So I'm, I'm hearing there's an element of what's the real underlying reason behind why you're doing what you're doing. So developing that purpose, yeah. making it clear. And then also the other side of that is, you know, what are consequences? And these aren't, um, these are, these are consequences. They're not, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's not supposed to be a punishment. No, not a punishment. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not because you're doing it wrong that you get punished for it. It's just supposed to deter you and get you in the mindset of what do you have to gain rather than uh, what you actually have to lose. For mm -hmm. example, you know, taking a cold minute, a, a two minute cold shower. If you don't, um, you know, go running every day for 20, 20 minutes. Every time you miss a day, you have to take a five minute cold shower. Um, and the consequence isn't, the punishment isn't the cold shower. And the consequence isn't really the cold shower. It's just a deterrent. If you actually inspect someone, it might actually be, oh, if you don't exercise 20 minutes a day, you're going to get a heart attack. And that's the real impact of not doing what you said you would do, right? So it's really understanding what the consequence and the impact of what, what the inaction leads to. Mm -hmm. and, and the consequence helps you to just push you in the right direction. Because sometimes we don't see the damage that, that our inaction causes. Do consequences serve any other purpose? Because I'm hearing that it's a deterrent, but it also, you know, does it think about it in the terms of integrity? You know, you talk about integrity a lot. How does that impact your integrity? If you do not do what you say, mm -hmm. um, there's death. It's, it's just habit building. You know, when we talk about the scientific or psychological impact, um, there's these, uh, what's the word? Neural pathways. So whenever you do something, whenever you build a positive habit, let's say it's uh, waking up on the dot at 8 a.m. The, the more consistently you do that on a, uh, on a daily basis and the longer you do it, uh, the neural pathways of, of doing that habit and getting that endorphin rush, right, gets established in your subconscious the longer you do it. And that's really the only way to change programming by consistency and discipline. Um, the same thing works for things around not keeping your word. When you continually say something and don't do it, subconsciously something is happening in the same way. And, and you might be rewarding yourself in a negative way, right? That, or that might be that, oh, I can say something and get away with it and nothing will happen. No consequence will happen. And, um, you might be so blind to it that eventually you end up lying to yourself and you don't even know what's real or not when you say something. And, you know, it can get so bad that, that, um, you know, it's really, it's just hard to stay motivated because 
when you say something subconsciously or even out loud to someone else and it just never gets done and you don't know why right so it ends up becoming this like loop this subconscious loop that's essentially this neural pathway saying that like nothing has to get done because there's no reason to and that's kind of a mm -hmm. scary place to be okay i want to talk about uh just riffing off here discipline ownership about actually taking action setting goals i want to read a quote though first for you and it was sent to me by a gentleman whose birthday is today anson happy and birthday anson yes happy birthday my friend uh, and correct me if i'm wrong but you sponsored him into yes. the men's weekend yeah yeah so you've made i'm sure a big contribution to his life he said one of johnny's defining qualities is his immense discipline. He's the one guy I know who actually sticks to decisions he makes and follows them through long-term as, as opposed to being scatterbrained and constantly trying new shit. That's one of the ways Johnny's inspires me. And also, if you get a chance, ask him about the drawing we made on the window in first year. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, we'll, about that drawing. maybe we'll save that for another podcast. But, um, so, so talk to me about discipline. How do you think about it? Um, who inspires you around discipline? Like, how come? Because I, I agree. I agree. Um, I'll shout from the rooftops, Johnny has discipline. <laughs> so what's, what's, going, what's going on there? What do we need to do to to get that Johnny level discipline? Um, well, thank, first off, thanks Anson for, for such a, an awesome, I guess, testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, how, did, how does someone get to that level of discipline? Well, I used, to be, I used to be so scatterbrained, for sure. I mean, it still is a thing, and that's probably why the only way I counter that is by having structure and systems that I can fall back to. Um, I am OCD though. I, I was definitely undiagnosed as a child with OCD, um, but it came from a place of, I'm a victim of my, of the things that I have to do, like wash my hands a certain way or tuck my bed in a certain way. And those were just like these habits out of fear that I had built, however it operates. Um, but eventually I had a context shift instead of instead of living as a victim in my own life and letting things happen, you know, whether it's the OCD stuff or whether it's um, why am I waking up and I, I feel unmotivated and uninspired or, um, you know, I, I would, I would, I would, I realized through the work that I'm doing that I actually have a say in, in how my life transpires, how it, how it, how it plays out. Um, and going back to just this sense of ownership, what is owner, how does ownership show up in my life and how can I actually have a self-fulfilling destiny, right? A lot of people have this concept of fate that it's completely out of our control or that we're born into a circumstance that we have no control over. And sure, that might be true for a lot of people, but um, I've been practicing ownership in my life in a sense of disciplines, consistency, and habits, and and the, and exercising the power of of saying something to the point where it becomes my reality, not not through some like you know universal spiritual thing. There's actually a lot of effort behind what I say, 
and, and, and knowing subconsciously that if I say it, not only will it, will it come true, but it, 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 it will happen because, um, because I'm making it so through all the actions that I have. Um, so one example is, you know, uh, when I, when I came back from my first trip from Thailand, uh, Dian was there, Vance, my business partner was there and my other friend, Alex, the forest went, went to Thailand for the first time and just had a boys trip 2017. And it was on that trip, me and Vance, my business partner, uh, were just so inspired by the life, the travel lifestyle that we were determined to move to Thailand in some form by the next year. And so we, we had our uh, housewarming, Anson was there, um, a bunch of our friends, Dian was there, and we told everyone, we're gonna move to Thailand next year. And I remember uh, Vance, my business partner, telling me this story um, that Anse, he told Anson this exact thing, we're gonna move to Thailand next year. And Anson ended up telling me the same story. And the way he said it was Vance was just so full of conviction as if he knew it was going to happen. Mm. Right. When you believe yourself so strongly that everything that you do aligns with that vision and aligns with what you say, that's how powerful your word can be. And that's, that's what integrity looks like when it shows up in your life. And well, in my life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so, I mean, that's integrity in a nutshell, but it's just when you break that down into the smaller weeks and days and hours, we were literally working our asses off every single day. How can we make this happen? How can we make this vision happen of moving away, having a location in an independent lifestyle? And that, that, you know, that, that meant having an online business, switching from video production to an e-commerce business. Um, putting everything from our computers up into the cloud, learning everything we needed to know about online marketing and generating a passive income. All of these things didn't happen overnight. And instead of taking a year to move to Thailand, it took two years. Mm. <laughs> it did happen. Can't believe it, man. Can't believe it. That's so, it's honestly so inspiring. And I think there's some, some people listening right now that have ideas that seem like dreams and seem like long shots. But I think you're an example of someone who had a vision and made it happen, uh, showing people that it's actually doable. What I'm hearing is that the visions first, kind of the result, the outcome that you want to create is first. And then you work back on like, what are the actual actions that I need to take? Right? Because I, I heard you say that meant I needed to have an online business versus, um, you know, doing the video production, which makes so much sense because if my goal is to bench press 225 pounds in six months, then I probably shouldn't be running 5k every day and not benching at all. I should probably be benching, you know, two, three days a week. Wait, that's not how it works. We, I could run and I'd be able to lift 225. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if you're Iron Man or um, you know, Cap, Cap, Captain America, just by default, but no. So it's the goal impacts what you do on a daily basis. So let's do this. Let's let's cover CPRs because this is a perfect transition. Um, what does a CPR stand for? When did you hear about that for the first time? Why do you use them? Feel free to. Yeah. So, I mean, the CPRs were, were definitely a huge tool and a system that I used um, to be able to set up that game plan, right? 
if, if you can see a vision, if I could see a vision in my head, like I want to move to Thailand, you know, being the life example, what do I need to get there? And that might be a one-year plan, or in my case, it was a two-year execution. Um, the CPR is, is that tool that I used on a, on a six-month, a year basis, and all the way down to like a weekly basis. And so CPR stands for Context, Purpose, and Results. It's a framework to achieve the success that you want in your life. And that can be anything from personal, fitness, spiritual, mental, emotional, team, business, and relationship. I have something written for, or I've, I've written a CPR for at least um, one aspect of, of these areas in my life. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can go into a bit more. <laughs> so people have Yeah, even like, it. so for people that are listening that are like, okay, I get it. It's a framework for achieving what you want. Yeah. And it's context, purpose, results. Yeah. How is it, how is it written? So, I mean, the, the specific way it's written is we usually start with results, pretty straightforward, but a lot of people make the mistake of saying, okay, I want to, uh, I want to lose weight. That could be a result, but it's not specific. And the easiest way to fail is to not be specific with your direction and your vision. And that's why my, my life purpose is so specific. Um, so the result of losing weight this month or losing rate in general is different, very different than saying, I want to lose five pounds by running 20 minutes a day um, within the next 30 days. And if I don't, I will, uh, I don't know, someone can slap me in the face. Right? That's, <laughs> that's really specific. Um, and it, it, it's very clear to see all the steps you have to take to get there. Um, so you usually start with the end in mind and the results that you want being specific, measurable, and having a due date. The second is you move up. So uh, results is actually the, the, the bottom of the CPR, but you do those first and you work your way up this pyramid. The next step of the pyramid is the purpose. So why, are you, why do you want to achieve these results? And there's kind of a structure to purpose. It's, it's usually to do X by doing Y so uh, that I achieve Z. So in my case, it's to travel the world and create inspirational video content. Um, wait, it's to, yeah, to travel the world and make inspirational video, video content. Uh, I forgot the buy, <laughs> but it's so that I can inspire people to live their high purpose and bring that energy back to the communities. Okay. So, that's so it's the, it's, so one more time for those that are, that now have their pens out, they're ready to create <laughs> their first CPR. We talked about results being first, being very specific, having a deadline to those results. So as an example, um, for me, one of my results in the next six months is I want to win speaker slam as a competition. So I'm going to win speaker slam. The date is yeah. on April 30th. And so I know what the deadline is. I have that much time to prepare. And then when I'm coming to my purpose, how do I write the purpose? Okay. I figured it out. It's to, to win speaker slam by training my ass off. So this is by the how yep. so that I have a platform to inspire people. Right. Okay. By and so that. And Got fill it. in the blanks after each one. Okay, great. And for those of you that are listening, that are writing this down, please send Johnny and I the example of the first CPR that you create. We're happy and open-minded. I think Johnny, you're happy, open-minded to taking a look at it, making some suggestions and feedback. Yeah, for sure. It's not. It's not a a, a one-shot thing. It takes time, practice. Yeah. So you've been making them for years, and then. 
the, I think, anyway, the men describe the context as being the most important part, and which is why you write it last. What does context mean? Yeah, context is huge. So the purpose is definitely very, very important. You know, a life purpose, a purpose in your family or a business. But the context is, is the thing that, that inspires you or gets you into action. Or if you fall off, gets you back in, into the game. So it could be a mantra, a phrase, a personification of something. Right? It could be anything from, um, you know, on fire, like literally the phrase on fire to my life CPR a context is act locally, think globally. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got two contexts, one for my longer term goals, which are in, which includes the speaker slam goal. There's about four results on my current CPR and the context that serves that CPR is commitment before ego. And the one on my daily CPR that outlines the context that I need to achieve the results that I want daily is play to win. Because nice. there's a huge difference, and I, I, I find myself falling into playing not to lose versus playing to win, the difference there, and the outcomes of my day are totally different when I play to win. Yeah, yeah. So that's CPRs, and just to show people how flexible it really is, like I talked about six months, and per day, you do it um, you know, for long terms and per week, it sounds like. You said you can also do it for other areas of your life. Have you ever done one for your relationship? I have one for my relationship, but it's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Okay. No, no, no problem. I totally get that. I do want to, I do want to share um, one other uh, sentiment before we move on and, and kind of wrap up the show to talk a little bit more about uh, mental health and why it's so important that we're sharing our stories about mental health and challenge. But uh, I do think that we wrap up the CPR conversation with a, with a quote from Karina. <laughs> she told uh, she me was, you asked her or something. She's like, who's this yeah. Jonathan Andrews <laughs> on Instagram? Hitting her DM. Yeah. Um, only to, only to try to shine more light onto why it's so important that people take these ideas and these concepts and try to implement them into their life. Because again, whether it's you inspiring people to take on their fitness seriously or it's inspiring people to take their creative side seriously or the business life seriously, you really are a shining example and uh, you're an inspiration for me and you're an inspiration for a lot of other men. Um, and you know, your, your relationship is that way too. Um, Karina says that she would describe your relationship as being very secure about yourselves um, and that helps to shape the whole relationship and every challenge being workable, right? Workoutable. Um, we see problems, issues as me and him against the problems versus we against each other and accepting each other without trying to change each other. And then she finished off, which was um, very kind and, and beautiful. And I could see, uh, how you two must be very much in love. She said, uh, Johnny has incredible work ethic and a mindset for self-growth and business. He's always looking back to see how he can change, uh, be better and improve. Um, he's an incredible support system when it comes to people around him and he really cares about people. Wow, she wrote that? Yeah. I think that's the nicest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually just, it's just roast she's, behind closed doors, eh? She's just trying to make it <laughs> 
<laughs> very, very, very kind of her. And um, I also got something that was very nice from your friend Deanne, our friend Deanne. And so I'll send that to you. But just to close off, so you have a relationship CPR. Yeah, I wrote it the day that she said yes. To be your girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> One it. step at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know for sure. <laughs> and how's, how has that changed, if at all? Do you revisit that? I did not look at it until uh, you asked me about CPRs. And then I, nice. I emailed it to myself so that I don't lose it. So I just type in CPR on my Google and then I have my life CPR and I have a relationship CPR and I read it and it's still good. Nothing's yeah. changed. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You can often write down results and goals that you want and then kind of like tuck it away and not look at it for a long time. And if you revisit it years later, like, wow, I actually did what I kind of the direction that I, I wanted to. And it's, yeah. it doesn't happen by accident. That's a thing, right? That's, that's the power of integrity and, and, and what we say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, for the people that are listening and they want to take away a few more things from you, we, we really, we hit the nail really hard on uh, discipline and ownership and the importance of being surrounded by communities that are willing to call you out. And also you're able to call them out. What would you, what would you say are your most important self-care practices? And are there, are these things that are only good for Johnny Lowe or can other people try them on to see if they can work for them as well? Self-care practices are so important. Um, and the ones that I have are definitely applicable to anyone that's listening. Um, the biggest three um, that, you know, that I think have made the greatest impact on my life in the past five years since I started really thinking about this is uh, number one, having that support group since 2014, um, having a place where I can always go back to and know what to expect, which is men holding the mirror up to me to show me what I'm doing right or wrong and just setting my, you know, um, retuning the direction that I said I would go in, right? So important. So it could be your friends or family, but just knowing that you have some type of support group and um, the more authentic, mass down, uh, vulnerable you can be without judgment, both ways, the better. Um, the second one is a morning routine. It could be anything from making the bed. And there's, you can look this up. There's like a, a really uh, viral video out there of, a, of an army guy, an army sergeant telling you the importance of making yeah. the bed in the morning. Huge, huge thing. Um, and it's the same thing we talked about earlier creating those neural pathways that might be small at first, but might be the keystone habit that builds to a million dollar business, right? So right now my morning routine is, uh, have it written down, Wim Hof, uh, one cup of water, 50 push-ups. It's actually 25 pike press and 25 push-ups now. Pike press. Uh, pike press. Uh, journaling, five affirmations, which is I literally look at the mirror and I acknowledge and affirm myself for everything that I'm happy for. Uh, 30, uh, 10 minutes of reading and writing my three daily goals. So, you know, whatever your morning routine is or having some type of time for yourself, especially in the morning before all this noise comes in is, is so critical because a lot of us don't spend the time to go inwards. I mean, right now with the quarantine, a lot of people do have time, but they still might not have that morning routine, which is, it, it's a huge difference. And I can't really explain it more until, unless you do it for yourself. 
um, to find out what the benefits are. The last one is um, having an outlet for self-expression. And I really didn't understand how important this was until last year. Um, really overworked, doing 18-hour days, working on my business and this Kickstarter launch. And you know, it ended up resulting in a, in a breakdown, uh, a panic attack. But that buildup of stress and not having an outlet for creativity. You know, I, I dance, I, I'm, a, I'm a composer. Um, I, I love making videos. That was my original passion. I cut all of it out to focus only on work. And, and that really had detrimental effects, right? So whether or not you actually have an outlet for expression um, or whether it's just having an outlet just to de-stress, even if it's meditation, I think it's so, so important. Having that work-life balance. Do you mind telling us more about that experience? And the only reason I ask about, you know, that, that challenging experience you had is because when I saw that happen to you, I was your friend on Facebook, but I didn't really know you. Um, you know, you were somebody that DN spoke very highly of. And the only reason I knew you is because y'all did groove accepted and were dance battling each other. And so uh, what I thought was so inspiring about what happened was you experienced the anxiety attack and then you were open and transparent about the people uh, to the people in your life and the communities that you're part of, of what you were going through, what you experienced and what you were going to do about uh, what had happened. And you made legitimate transitions of your lifestyle to course correct. But I thought just the fact that you were open about what happened, it normalizes our conversation about mental health. It makes it um, more comfortable for other people to reach out for help to seek help, to, to talk about what's actually happening in their lives versus holding that in and letting it ferment before it explodes. And so how were you able to do that? Um, what was your thought process around sharing that experience? Well, be, you know, for me personally, I don't really like what social media is and the, that it's used um, for mostly self, reasons of self-serving, you know? Uh, just promoting self and promoting things around money or, uh, you know, and we've all, we all know the negative effects of social media. So I like to use it as a platform um, for the opposite to what, what can I, how can I give value back to people? Right. And for something of like have the gravity, gravity of having a, a you know, a panic attack or an anxiety attack. Um, I, I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to share and use that platform because as much as it is getting more awareness, you know, mental, um, uh, you know, depression and all these mental illnesses, having more of that conversation come up, I just wanted to be able to contribute back to it. So um, I didn't know what impact it would have, if any, but for anyone watching, you know, that has been through it or that may not know they're going through it or that might experience it, but no, know that it's coming yet. Um, you know, even if it helps one person, because the group, like the, the experience of having an anxiety attack was just, I, it was terrible. You know, this crushing feeling like a weight's on my chest, like a very dark emotions and, and thoughts and crying and pretty much I, cr I was crouching into a bowl and crying my eyes off for no reason. There was no reason it happened other than it was something triggered it. I was in the middle of a mall, 
right, when it happened. And I've always heard about it from friends and I've seen, uh, I've seen it on one or two occasions, but I never knew what it was like. And I've never really heard people talk about it really openly, despite how open our culture currently is around, around voicing what it's like to be, you know, depressed or sad or, or in a bad situation, you know? So I just wanted to contribute to that dialogue. Um, and surprisingly, uh, I also got, you know, it's, it's also, um, it's also healing and people reached out to me after that. I taught, I had three conversations. Two of them were from my men's teams that I've been on. Uh, and they've, they, they have like these rolling panic attacks, like one every three a week or one a day. It's crazy. Not, I, what I experienced was nothing compared to what they've been through in their lives, but just knowing that they were there for me, ready to pick up the call at, at a moment's note, it just, it made me, it just made me feel so much better about it. That these, these super successful people that you would never know have been through this are willing to take an hour out of their day to call me and make sure I'm okay and, and tell and ask me, you know, what was it like? I'm here for you. Call me if you ever need anything. So, you know, I mean, this, the, the offer stands for anyone listening to this. If, if you're going through the same thing or you experienced it, you have fear about it, then it's just so important to have that support network and to know that other people are going through it. It's so important to have that dialogue. And I think people can reach out to, to you and I and, and find communities that they can be part of. There's all sorts of uh, men's groups and for women that are listening to this show and, and feel like they've been left out of this conversation. Um, there's tons of women networks as well, where you could get involved or, um, you know, even co-ed communities. And so I really appreciate you sharing, um, and kind of being and living into the future that you want to create and the future that I want to create, which is safe spaces to have these conversations safe spaces for being masked down, safe spaces for sharing vulnerability, safe spaces for um, pulling ourselves towards the futures we want to create for ourselves, even though there's a big gap potentially of where we are now versus where we want to go. But recognizing where we are today and being open about it is the first step to be able to make the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Being being able to be vulnerable is is huge. And it doesn't mean weak. Weakness and vulnerability are two completely different things yeah having that dialogue is 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 key they were gonna round this off anything else top of mind right now i know you've got a very exciting future ahead of you um you know we're in the middle of a global pandemic but that doesn't mean that you can't uh you can't be actively working on your disciplines like you are every single day and painting that picture for your future and moving towards it what do you have to say for everybody that's in the middle of this chaos uh, in the middle of all this uncertainty, uh, what should they be thinking about and what are you thinking about as you, as you move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are experiencing uncertainty, an unprecedented level of certainty, both at, at a macro scale with the economy, with health, and also at a personal level. And uh, this is no better time than to just self-reflect, right? And we're going to be locked up here for at least another month, right? A lot of us have a lot of spare time. And um, uh, it's okay to feel like, you know, your life is going down the shitter. (laughs) Not just to make it sound really bad, but (laughs) just being able to acknowledge 
where we are, where I am, where you are, and to know that this is not the end, that acknowledgement is the first step, acceptance is the next step, and then that gives you the basis to be able to move from there into something bigger. And this is, like Deanne told me the other day, if you guys watch Dragon Ball Z, um, it's like the, the hyperbolic time chamber. We're going we're to come out of this better than who we are today, yesterday, the, the week, last week, right? Because we were able to be vulnerable, we're able to, to, to ask ourselves the hard questions about why we're here in the first place and what we can do to, to make the steps, even if it's the smallest step every day, what we can do to make our lives better in, in some meaningful way. Thank you for helping leave us on that positive note there. I have a commitment to you, my friend. I will send you a text at 6.30 tomorrow morning. And I encourage everybody that's listening right now that uh, was definitely inspired by uh, your example and how you're living your life to go out and make a commitment. 100%. It could be a commitment. The better thing is tell a friend your commitment. Make that commitment and tell a friend. True. You'll be much more likely to do it. I haven't told a friend yet, so I better... <laughs> <laughs> text. I'm going to text DN that I made a commitment to you and I will uh, speak to you at 630 tomorrow. Well, I'm the person you, you, you're going to tell the commitment to. I'm that guy that you told. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Make the commitment and tell it to somebody. I thought you meant tell somebody else that you told somebody. Uh, we're getting a triangle of, triangle of commitment, can, everybody. You can do that too. It's just more, more accountability. There's never, there's nothing wrong with more accountability. Awesome, man. Hey, I, I need it. So um, thank you for being a stand for me. Uh, thanks for doing the show. I'm excited uh, for you to continue to grow your new business, see where that transforms, and hopefully uh, stick around in Canada a little longer. You get to see you again before you leave. Yeah, 100%. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Always a pleasure. Maybe we'll do part three. But Definitely do part been, three. It's been we'll awesome. Do, we'll do part three at Burning Man when we make it one day. <laughs> oh, my God. May or may not be a good idea after we listen to that recording. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for the time. All right, thank you.